0: I want to thank you guys for being here this week, joining us during week two of this continuation called Present. Um, real quick, did anybody watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off this last week in response to me talking about it? <laughs> oh, okay, good. But she's I, was, I was wondering if anyone would be like, I want to watch that movie after seeing that, but very cool. I didn't either, actually. I was thinking about it, but I didn't. We talked about last week uh, how in this scene, he's taking attendance. And we had this conversation on how uh, attendance is is taken in situations where you being there is important, where your presence is important. And uh, if you remember right, the definition I gave to present is this, being in view or on hand. And I find it interesting, though, that there are many places in in the world that we live, in, in our life, where we go that it's really important that we're there, but attendance is never taken. And whether or not we're there is never actually written down. Remember last week I talked to you about being uh, present in your church. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it, not just so you can be convicted, but go ahead and listen to it because it's a good message about this. And this is what, why I brought it to you. It's not that you need to be here for the church. You need to be here for you. There's amazing things that can take place when you're here, when you're part of a church. So go back and and listen to that. But I want to talk to you about another extremely important area of your life today, which is this, being present in your family. First and foremost, the family is a a gift from God. If we look through the Bible, we see that relationships, marriage, kids, uh, family, it's a gift from God. You see how, by, just how God talks about it. Check, the, check out these two verses with me. And You don't have to turn to them because they're, they're really short. But Proverbs 18.22, it says this, The man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. Or how about Psalms 127.3? It says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. You see the way God, how, how he talks about these things. A gift, a treasure, a reward, finding favor we see the fact that the, the family wasn't created by humans. It was created by God. And that, that, that process of, of finding, a, finding a mate and having a family, it's this amazing environment in which love can begin to grow and an amazing environment in which we can actually start to actually understand love. A lot of us maybe don't even really understand love until we start having a family and realize what love really is. But if I gave you this gift... See, because God, when we look at it, it's it's a gift, isn't it? It says that it's, you know, a a reward, a gift from the Lord, a treasure, finding favor. If I gave you a gift, there's probably only one thing I would ask. The only one thing I'd probably ask is that you take care of it. If I gave you something, right, it's yours to do whatever you want with it. Probably the only one thing that I would ask is, you know, would you at least take care of it? And I think that's the same thing that happens from God. God gives these gifts to us as marriage and kids but the thing is, is, we need to take care of it. We need to take care of this gift. If you've been paying attention to the world around us, you may have noticed a trend. Anyone notice a trend recently? And it's, it's this. The family has been eroded. The family has been torn apart. The picture of what a family is, a solid family unit, is becoming more and more rare. We can see it in the, our friends and family, um, My family, even just in this last year, has been a tremendous picture of that. Multiple divorces inside of my family in this last year, in my extended family. Um, We see it in society, in our friends, or, or maybe we just see it on TV and how stuff is portrayed. If you look at the depictions of families in media, they often are no longer connected and solid. And also another thing you'll notice is that fathers are just disappearing left and right both in our own society, maybe in our families, but also then if you look at media, and, and if they don't disappear, what they do is, is their correct standing as a leader or as a wise person has been completely gone. Check this out. Even if we go back just a little while back, there was an old show. Oh, and I bet you some of you guys loved it. It was called The Brady Bunch. Anyone remember The Brady Bunch? Yeah? There's a story of a lovely lady. How many people know it? People could actually sing it right now? <laughs> yep, exactly. Watched it a billion times, right? But Greg, in the, in the Brady Bunch, if you noticed, who it was Greg? Greg was the one who all the kids could come to. And at the end of the day, in a 30-minute episode, they could find a life-ending problem and fix it in 30 minutes. And Greg could sit down and he could explain, this is what needs to be done. And as, as a partnership with him and his wife, they could fix any problem that happened, couldn't they? He was the wise... What, Mike? That was Mike? Oh, Greg's his kid. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, not Greg. Greg, wasn't, he was a mess. Up. He was the one who got in trouble and was trying to chase girls. You're right. Thank you. See, Mike Brady and uh, what's his wife's name? Carol. Carol. Wow, see, you guys got it better than I do. But if you looked as, as these years progressed, even since just that little bit ago, there's a new picture of what a dad is. And you could see him in Homer Simpson, Ray Romano, and Jim Belushi. You see, what happened is, is that, The picture of the father as being a person who can help solve problems, help be a leader, it's been completely taken away. And anymore, I challenge you look through TV shows that place a family, and what you'll see is the common denominator amongst all of them is the dumb dad. The one who can't lead, the one who can't take care of, and instead he's dependent upon this strong wife to lead the family. Why do you think that is? Isn't it weird that the whole entire picture changed and now almost every single role is set that way? King of Queens, all these different ones. The guy is the the, the baby, the child, and he can't be a leader and he needs a strong woman to lead him. Do you think it's just coincidence? I don't. I think that it's the result of a well-placed attack by God's enemy, Satan. Why? Why, though, would, would Satan take time to... Change the image of a father and change the family perspective. Why would he do that? It's really simple when we start reading God's word and we get into it. Here's the reason why. The most common picture used in the Bible to represent God is that of a father. The most common picture we see throughout the Bible as who God is and how he's explained to us is as a father and that we are his kids. So real quick, if Satan can take and destroy our picture of what a father is, of what a family is, what does it do? It weakens our ability to understand who God is in our life, doesn't it? I mean, be really honest here, okay? When we had our launch team and I looked around, almost every person, probably about three-quarters of our group, have dad issues. I mean, can we be really honest here too? There's probably a lot of people in this group. There's father issues in your life. Why? Why? It's because the enemy has done this on purpose. The Father has been taken out. and it's been, our, our image of him has been contorted and changed. And it's because when we get our eyes messed up on what a father looks like, it's hard for us to understand what God looks like. When we planted this church, we spent a lot of time praying. We spent a lot of time seeking God. We asked for specific vision. What is it that you want us to do? Not what you want in just any church to do, but what is it you want us to do? And as we prayed, we got a few verses that even came back to us. And here's one of them that came uh, at the very beginning. If you have a Bible, turn to it. I want you to underline it. If you're part of Acts Church, I want you to make this a verse that you remember because it's part of our vision, okay? And it's Luke 1, verse 17. Luke 1, verse 17. If you want to look it up, go to it. I encourage people, write in your Bibles, okay? Underline stuff. Write notes. It's okay. It's not bad. Oh, look at that. We got it. It says this, He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. This here, this verse, it's actually a repeat from Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And what it is is God's talking about how in the Old Testament, thousands of years before it was written in Luke, He was talking about how the fathers had failed to tell their children about God and how it caused problems. And he says, Elijah, he's coming with the Spirit to repair that. Well, what's interesting is when John the Baptist came, he's the guy who came before Jesus and prepared the way for him. John the Baptist was said to have the anointing of Elijah, basically the same calling. And what he's talking about is he says in in Luke one seventeen, part of his calling is restoring father's hearts to their children. And when we read this, it it resonated with us. And we realized as a church, one of our goals, one of our goals is going to be restoring Father's hearts to children, that we have to repair the family. If Satan's strategy to destroy God's picture, a picture of God, was to take out the Father, break up the family, guess what our strategy is to fix it? The exact opposite. The exact opposite. Can we repair families? And can we encourage fathers to be present in them? And if we can, we can begin to change the generations after us and make it easier for those generations to see who God really is. When it comes to our families, we need to be present. Moms and dads, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes, okay? We are supposed to be the primary influence on our children's lives. You, mom and dad. Not school, not a camp, not even a church. Not even us. I know some of you might bring your children here on, on a Sunday morning. That's great. But it says in the Bible that you, mom and dad, are supposed to be the primary influence in your, in your house for your kids on how they understand Jesus. Now check this out with me. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. That might be a harder one for you to find. It's in the Old Testament. If not, you can follow with me, okay? It says this. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. I like this verse because it's really applicable. At the time, he was talking about the Ten Commandments. Now, that's part of God's rule, and, and those things are still applicable to our lives today, but obviously God's given us more teaching in the New Testament too. But what God's saying is that you need to subscribe to these things And he says, you need to tell them to your kids again and again and again. I like where he says it. He says, talk about it at home. Talk about it on the road. Talk about it when they go to bed. Talk about it when they get up in the morning. He's saying, talk about it all the time. Flood your children with the knowledge of Jesus and what God is, what God wants for their life. He's saying, that's your job. But not only that, not just to to teach your children, but also Psalm 101, verse 1 and 2 gives us a picture of also just our influence on our kids it says in verse one and two i will sing of your love and justice lord i will praise you with songs i will be careful to live a blameless life when will you come and help me i will lead a life of integrity in my own home i think that's good because the reality is is when, when you look at it it's not just that we tell our kids stuff you can tell your kids stuff until you're blue in the face but if you're not living it it's not going to connect with them. Children often learn by example. They don't just want to hear something. They want to see it and practice. That's how I've been my whole life. Uh, my, my dad is a really, really, uh, you know, he, he can fix anything. He can build anything, any of that. But having him just tell me something doesn't work. It was working with him and seeing how he did it that actually taught me. Same thing happens with our lives when we want our kids. Well, we'd like our kids to be be followers of Jesus. Well, the best example is going to be you being a follower of Jesus and you depicting that and showing it to them. But how can we expect to teach and demonstrate to our children if we're not there? I heard an old saying, and I think it's really true. It says, children spell love, T-I-M-E. Have you ever heard that one? Children spell love, T-I-M-E. And I think it's really true. Time is this, this crucial thing that you need to do. You need to spend time. Moms and dads, a challenge for you guys. I challenge you to become famous in your household. Become famous in your household. You make quality and quantity time with your kids to a point where they are thinking you're the coolest thing on planet Earth. You're the coolest thing in the world. Even though you might be that disciplinarian, man, you are the coolest thing they've ever met. That's how we should be, especially, you know, um, not to be sexist, but dads. Man, a lot of times, dads, you guys might not get to spend as much time with your kids. When you get to sit down with your kids, man, be famous with your kids. They're just so excited to see you. If you have to work all day, I know some, some dads who work, man, two, two different jobs, sometimes three different jobs to provide for their families. Moms, or some moms do the same thing. When you get home, man, spend that quality time with those kids and make sure they think you're famous. Man, this, this guy is awesome. This mom is awesome. Your kids need to have that. But also, in the, in the same note, but kind of in a, in a different vein, it's easy for parents to get really focused on this. And, and most of you would probably agree. It's about the kids. It's not about me. And there's a lot of parents who do that, and it, it's true. Parents give up time. They give up taking care of themselves sometimes, all these different things, to make sure they're giving their kids their best. But there's one thing that's different, though, and I want to encourage this, okay? Okay? Sometimes you need to put yourself first. And not in the little things, but in the biggest thing, and it's this, okay? You need to put yourself first when it comes to your relationship with God. For some of you parents, the best thing you could possibly do isn't to notch out an extra half an hour with your kids. It's to notch out an extra half an hour with Jesus. Because how are you going to lead if you haven't been there yourself? You can't. If you have kids, it is extremely important to make sure that your relationship with Jesus is right. And then you can show that to your kids, taking that little bit of extra time. And instead of just investing it in maybe a hobby or something like that, spending that extra time to be able to focus in on Jesus is going to change your entire family. I understand that you're busy. I understand you're busy. But Jesus was busy, too, when he was here on earth. He had about three years to do everything he came to do. But, but check this out. In Mark 1, verse 35 through 37, it says this about Jesus. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Oh, I think some of us could kind of... Attest to that, right? You people who are parents, everyone's going to be looking for me. But it says in the Bible, even in, in Luke five sixteen, Jesus often withdrew to these quiet places, the wilderness, for prayer. Why? Because his relationship with God was, was first. He needed to have a strong relationship with his father in order to lead the people who wanted to follow him. Same thing with our families. Your kids are your disciples, okay? They're the ones who are following you, learning from you. And you need to spend your quiet time with God. You need to make sure you're investing in your own relationship with God so that your kids can see that and follow it. Being present in your relationship with God is an integral part of being present with your family. But this message isn't just for parents. And if you think you've been hearing that and you've been shutting it off because, listen, I don't have kids, that's not the point either. It's for you guys, for you students, for you who are single, for you who might be young, for you who might be dating whatever it is that you find yourself, it's for you too because you're still part of a family. You're part of a family right now or you're in the process of building a family. Okay? You're creating the, the, the foundation for what your family is going to be. And family can be all different shapes and sizes. I can tell you this. There's some people that have family, has nothing to do with blood, but they're way closer than what some families are. It could be people who've been part of your life forever and they're family. It doesn't matter the fact that they come from two different moms. They're family. And the same thing applies to that, that you need to spend that that time. Whether or not blood is between you, that doesn't make any difference. Because I'll tell you what, there's families that have nothing to do with with having blood relation. But they're families. You want to make sure that you don't get so caught up in everything else of this world, in all of the small details, that you miss the big things. Those relationships that have been put into our life. You miss that opportunity to be present with your family. There's this woman, her name is uh, Bronnie Ware, and she's a, a palliative care expert. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Cassie probably know. But basically what she does is she takes care of people in their last weeks of life. She'll go with people who will go back to their house, and she works with them and takes care of them as they, as they go to the place where they're going to die. Um, and she takes care of them. She's done it for basically her whole life. And in a blog she was just writing, she said this. In her years of work, she's found five common regrets amongst almost every person who she's watched die. And the number two most spoken thing is this. I wish I didn't work so hard, and I wish I spent more time with the people who I loved. She made a career, a whole life, out of watching people and keeping people comfortable in their last moments before death. And she says, time after time after time, people say, I just wish I wouldn't have spent so much time working, chasing money, chasing things. And instead I would have spent my time with the people who I actually loved, the people who I was chasing it for. Whether or not you like it, our time here on earth is limited. Every single one of us have a date, and we don't know it, but stamped on us somewhere in our DNA that God can see is the end date to this life. Somewhere on us that God can already see there's an end date. We had a beginning date here on earth, and every single one of us are going to face an end someday. And when you get to that point, do you want to look back and say, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. The number two most common one, that they just spent more time with the people who they loved. We're only given so much time to express how much we care for those who we love. And you need to be present in those relationships. I'm not saying you need to neglect everything else, but I'm saying that it's easy to get caught up in things and make dumb decisions. Dumb decisions that look smart at the time, but at the end of your life you look back and say, I wish I would have just spent more time with the people I really cared about. Those people in your life are gifts from God, like I said at the beginning. Wife, kids, they're gifts. And making sure to spend time with them is an important way to honor God. Most of you would know how driven I am. Uh, if you've got to actually meet me and talk to me, other than just hearing me preach, uh, maybe even just hearing me preach, you understand this. But I'm a very driven man. Um, I, I'm a goal. Oriented person. I set plans. I have things for, you know, 2012, 2013. I'm trying to think about what, you know, is coming down the road. If, if God tarries and doesn't come back, my plan is to change this entire area for Jesus Christ, right? Planner, planner, visionary, dreamer. That's, that's who I am. But even my perspective was changed a little bit when I actually read the life of Jesus Christ and I started following it closer. I realized this on Jesus' last night here on earth, he didn't preach to thousands. He didn't pen a letter so that millions could read it. He spent his last night with 12 men who were closest to him. 12 men who had spent a few years following him. And then after that, he went out and prayed and he took the three men who were closest to him out of that 12 and said, come a little farther with me. And he talked to him about how he was really feeling. And then he went a little farther and talked to God. When I read that, it changes my perspective a little bit. And it makes you realize that even if you're working for God, you can't get so caught up in the fact that you neglect the people who are closest to you who you love. On Jesus' last night, he spent it with 12 guys who cared about him, and he made sure that they understood how much he believed in them, how much he trusted them, and that they were the ones who were going to change the world after him. He didn't go out and preach a big message to a1,000 people. It changed my perspective a little. It changed my views. We need to be present with the people who we love, with our family members. And I want to do this just as a side note, but it's just the reality of where we're at. We need to be fully present too. Fully present. There's a big difference. And I'll tell you what the biggest thing is. These right here. How many of you will be honest and join with me in saying this? How many of you grab your phone no more than two minutes after you get up out of bed? Raise your hand. No more than two minutes after you get out of bed, your cell phone is in your hand. Yes? Yep. Yep. I roll over. I fall out of bed. I pick up my phone. As I'm walking down my steps to go to the bathroom, I'm checking Instagram. (laughs) I walk into the bathroom. I do my business. I open up Twitter and let it load while I brush my teeth. I walk out of my bathroom and I read my Twitter posts. I take and check my Facebook and go get myself a cup of coffee or I go get myself something to eat. Man, they can be time robbers. And I'm telling you, when you have time to be able to spend with those people you love, neglect technology instead. You have to neglect one or the other. You have to neglect one or the other. I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times it's made me sad to see this. Okay, See it all the time. You go to the zoo. I love going to the zoo, right? And you go to a zoo and you see a dad with his two or three kids, and the entire time he's not even talking to his kids because he's on the phone yelling about a business deal. No, we're not going to do that. No, I said he wasn't going to do that too. Come on, kids, let's go. No, I told him that. And it's like, man, at the end of the day, that guy's going to go home and he's going to write in his journal, sold this, did this, wasted most of the day with the kids. And those kids are going to go home and they're going to think that was the best day of my life. I get to spend my day with my dad. Man, and you, you can just see, man, right now it, he thinks he's got his eyes on the prize, but there's going to come a day he's going to look back and say, where did all those years go? How did I miss all those awesome times? And the same thing can happen to us. If you're a student right now and you don't have kids, same thing can happen to you. It's a relationship you have, maybe someone who you love, maybe it's your family, your mom, dad, grandparents, uncles, cousins, friends. When you hang out with them, are you fully present? Or are you always halfway there? Are you always halfway there? Start neglecting technology instead of neglecting the people who you love. You'll see a lot better things happen in your life. I I promise you that. To finish up this message, I want you to to think about this, though, too. And this applies to every one of us. About being present in our families is this. We belong to another family, too. and, And that's our godly family. It's a family that was talked about in the Bible And it's that reason why I said the family's important, because it's that picture of God. It's it's what God's talking about through his word. And I'll tell you this, it's it's the most important family we could be part of. It says this, uh, John 17. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, this is a good one for you guys to remember too. John 17, 20 through 24. These are Jesus' words. He says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Real quick, who does that mean? Not just my disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who does that mean? All of us. All of us, the people who believe because of their message. He says this, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. He's talking to his dad, God. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. Jesus is praying to God the Father. And the words that he uses is this, I want those who you've given me to be with me. I want to be present with them. I don't want to be divided from them. I want to be present in a family with them. He loves us. He wants to be present with, with you, not just us. Because it's easy sometimes to say, I know God wants to be with us. But you this morning. Jesus is saying he wants to be present with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. All of you have heard the message, and if it's the first time here this morning, what you just heard this morning was the message spoken by the apostles. Same thing, transferred down many generations, and Jesus is saying, I want them to be with me because I love them. Perhaps the most quoted verse ever in the Bible is John 3.16, and it doesn't matter how many times you read it, it's still mind-blowing in what it says. And sometimes you can just look over it because it's been said so many times, but I want to read it with you, John three sixteen and 17. If you guys ever read it, always put 17 on there too. People always forget 17. Great verse to go with it. It says, For God so loved the world, excuse me, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It says this, okay? If I can give you the picture real quick, the rundown on the story. It says that each and every one of us were created in God's image. But it says then that basically through sin, which is anything we do that doesn't stack up with what God has for us. And every single one of us have committed sins. All of us have fallen short for what the best plan is for our life. And it says though that sin, man, the payment for that is Death. As we look through the Bible, we see uh, Romans uh, 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. It says that we earn death by all the, the wages, the sin that we, we stack up. But God said the answer, what he found out, was, was the loophole, was his own son. And he sent Jesus here to this earth. And when he came, he lived a perfect life in the pres- as, a, as a man here on earth. And it says that when he came to the end of his life and he was murdered, he couldn't die because he had no sin. So the only way he could die was to carry someone else's sin to the cross. And because he was Jesus, it says that he carried all of our sin to the cross. Everyone. Every one of us. He carried our sin to the cross and paid for it with his death. And he said then that all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God, and believe that he was resurrected from the dead and he beat death. If you guys don't believe in the resurrection, I keep telling you, go back and watch the whole series, This Changes Everything. It's all about the truth of the resurrection. It's a rock-solid fact when you look at it. It takes more faith to believe the resurrection didn't happen than it did. And when you look at it and you believe that, it says then that you have salvation, a relationship with Jesus where instead of you having to pay for your sins at the end of your life, Jesus already paid for them. And instead, when the end of your life comes, it says that you are washed clean and you can go up to heaven with Jesus and someday live with God here on the recreated earth. At the end of the story in Revelation, it says that God comes and lives with his people. It's going to happen right back here on earth. And all those that had a relationship with Jesus and went to heaven are going to come back to this earth down with them. And we are going to be fully present with God for eternity. It's an amazing story. But it's not just a story, it's true. I want to give you this, this morning, just to wrap up. Two things. First, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you'd like to begin one this morning, I'd love to offer that to you, okay? And second, I want to offer you this. If you realize that this morning you've neglected the gift that God has given you of a family, you've been neglecting it, and you don't want to anymore, you want to be present in that family, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that too, okay? So so we can respond in our own uh, our own environment. I'd ask you guys to all just Close your eyes, bow your heads. Give honor to those around you so they can respond and not feel that you're, you're watching them. But what, what I want to do this morning is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you say, listen, I would like to start a relationship with Jesus. Maybe I don't have it all figured out, but I need to start that relationship this morning. I need to figure it out. Just go ahead, raise your hand, look at me in the eye, and catch my attention. Anyone else this morning? Yes, see ya. Anyone else this morning? I see you. Anyone else this morning? want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to get this figured out. Okay. For you three, what I want to do is I want to pray, and everyone else can pray with us too, okay? And it's just a prayer of, of confession and of acceptance, okay? So you guys can all pray with me too. You bow your heads. We can pray right along with them, Okay. Is there anyone else, before we go any farther, anyone else want to start a relationship with Jesus? Okay. Go ahead and bow your heads this morning and follow me in this prayer, okay? Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. Thank you for dying in my place. Please come into my life. I confess that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you are resurrected from the dead. Thank you, Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Amen. That prayer you prayed this morning is a prayer of starting a relationship with Jesus. And the beginning of that is one of the most amazing things we could ever do. One more time, I want you to close your eyes, okay? And here's what I want to offer you to. If this morning this you would say, listen, I have neglected the gift that God has given me. Not saying that you're a terrible person. Not saying that you, you don't love the people who are your family. But if you say, listen, I realize I've neglected my family a little bit. And I want to change it this morning. Just as a step of, of actually taking a step forward, just go ahead and raise your hand too, okay, this morning. Just raise your hand up. This isn't for me to look at you and judge you. This is for God. Just saying, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit this. God, yeah, I've, I've taken advantage a little. Okay, and I want us to pray together too, okay? God, this morning... I pray to you that you would change our hearts, and I pray to you you would let us realize what a gift it is that you've given us in our family. I pray to you, Jesus Christ, that you would help us to be present. God, as you are present here on earth, and God, as we're going to be present with you in eternity, I pray to you, Jesus, that you would just um, let us realize the gift that you've given us, and let us not spend our lives in, in silly places, but instead spend it in the places that really matter with the family that you've given us. I pray to you, Jesus, that you would let fathers and mothers become famous in their house, spread Jesus Christ to their children in a clear way. And I pray to you that us who might be part of family, starting a family, I pray to you, God, that you would let us build um, just a family on a foundation of love and being there for each other. It's in your name I pray, Jesus Christ. Amen.